0: The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, torg
1: What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Parker Ainsworth, with another edition of FN Sports, a podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. And today, we're doing a college football preview. We'll be looking at the SEC, the college football playoff, and much more. But first, let's get a dive into some gold stars and detentions. Our first gold star goes to... Lauren Hubbard, the New Zealand weightlifting transgender woman who was cleared to play. We're going to give a gold star to the Olympic Games for allowing her to compete in women's weightlifting now that she identifies and is officially a Transgender woman. Uh, she's not the first transgendered person to be competing in these Olympics either. We should mention that Quinn competes for the Canadian women's national team as a transgender person, as well as Chelsea Wolfe, an American BMX rider. So shout out to the 2020, kind of 2021 Olympic Games for representing the world around us a little bit better. Raphael Stone gets our next gold star for winning the NBA draft. And I know that's a little selfish of me. However, it's worth pointing out that the Houston Rockets signed Jalen Green, the second overall pick, and some considered one of the guys with the highest ceiling in the NBA draft. They also traded two future first-round picks for the number 16 pick to draft Alperin Sangoon, who many had slotted as a top 10 pick, some a lottery pick, and he is One of the Vegas favorites to win Rookie of the Year next year, MVP of the Turkish Men's League at just 18 years old last year. Worth pointing out, while people are somewhat fretting over giving up two first round picks for a 16th overall pick this year, those two picks were very heavily protected in the future because they were coming into Houston from other teams, and they may not even convey in the first round. They may themselves end up being second round picks, depending how things go in places like Detroit. Uh, Raphael Stone also drafted Usman Garuba, a guy who was slotted in most mock drafts in the top 16 to 18. Raphael Stone got him at 23. And then he brought together the family of Kevin Porter Jr., KJ Martin, Jalen Green by bringing in fellow Southern Californian Joshua Christopher. Joshua Christopher. And Jalen Green did play on the same AAU team. They also played against K.J. Martin in school. And while Kevin Porter Jr., Rockets' young star guard, was in college at USC, there are all kinds of clips and videos of them working out around town in Houston. That's a big, big win for team chemistry, which is really, really important when looking at how young the Houston Rockets are. Next gold star goes to Aaron Rodgers for his open, honest press conference. Now, I know he might not have said things that other people liked, and I'm not actually sitting here giving him a gold star necessarily for everything that he said, but I am going to give him a gold star for just being honest and sitting down and facing the media. Frankly, there's a lot of NFL football players that would have taken that as a time to say, I'm only here so I don't get fined, or to say something that was very cliche and silly, or to just have moved on and not answered the questions at all. Aaron Rodgers very much faced the music and admitted to a lot of things going on with him and the Green Bay Packers, including mentioning that the big schism started or amplified itself when they took Jordan Love in the first round just about 18 months ago. Again, that was something we all had speculation of and had some you know leaks and rumors of, but to hear him say it himself and put a name on it was very brave and courageous and something most athletes don't do. Last gold star of the week goes to Florida A&M University. This is not necessarily an athletic gold star, although it is an HBCU that is very fun to watch in athletics. Florida A&M canceled $16 million of student debt, just paid it off on their own accord. While this makes me wonder why that debt was there in the first place. It's great to see a school like this taking out the debt of their students. That means their students can now go be a part of the American workforce and frankly, start saving up for all those things that people continue to tell me that millennials like myself don't buy. (laughs) Shout out to Florida A&M for canceling and helping end that student debt and being a part of the solution to the debt crisis across the country. (music) Big detention this week is going to really a large section of Twitter, right? Whether it's Nick Adams, Lauren Spicer, Wayne Dupree, Carmine Sabia. A lot of people are really trying to take victory laps surrounding the United States women's national team losing in the semifinals and having to go play in the bronze game instead of the gold medal game at the Olympics. And I don't really understand this like fake patriotism. They want to dismiss that team for using their first amendment rights and being a very, very good soccer team that uses their platform for better But also talk about being somehow more American than others, and that really watches a whole different kind of way with me as a history teacher. I also want to point out that a lot of that same section of Twitter does not like the fact that our first gold star winner, Lauren Hubbard, was allowed to compete in the Olympics. But it's kind of being silent to the fact that a Canadian team that just beat the United States with a transgender athlete, I, like that, that doesn't seem to mesh well on me because it's not really, really necessarily about things like being more American if you're booing things like America. It's not really things like supporting people's rights if you're not supporting people using their First Amendment right. It's not really about that. And so detention to all of those people in Twitter or wherever you see people going off about that, I guess, because frankly... They need to sit around and have some time with their thoughts to figure out what they really think. We've got an extra special episode today. We've got Kev, and he goes by Kev of the Belly Up Sports team. He's on to talk with us some about college football, the playoffs, and the SEC. And next, we're going to bring on Chuck Scalise. Chuck Scalise is a member of the All About the Birds podcast network. He is their college football reporter, college football analyst, and he'll be on to tell us more about his preview from a Northeasterner's perspective. So we kind of have the Alabama perspective and the Philly perspective coming on to talk to us about college football. So let's dive right in. All right, we are joined by belly up zone, Kev, and I'm just going to go by Kev, because that's how you sign all your things online. But Kev, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing
2: great. Uh, It's Monday morning, which is always a fun time. (laughs)
1: monday morning after a fun college-esque weekend or monday morning after a busy work weekend
2: um busy work weekend i had to do some stuff around the house had to do some belly up things yesterday so that
1: wasn't fun (laughs) fair enough fair enough uh kev joins us as a college football expert but tell people what all else you do with belly up before we get too far
2: uh i do pretty much whatever i'm told i do some writing, some editing, some behind-the-scenes stuff. And then I was on the Corner Booth podcast, but now I'm starting Tailgate on the Quad, Belly Up's
1: only college football-centric podcast. Tailgate on the Quad. And I got to say, I love the Tailgate on the Quad logo. It's like a... I mean, this show is sponsored by Yeti. It's like a Yeti cooler. It's like <laughs> Thank you.
2: I actually made that myself.
1: <laughs> there you go. So we have Belly Up on the Quad... or. Tailgate on the quad from Belly Up, uh, hosted by one and only Kev. Kev, we're going to dive into some college football theses. This one might hit a little close to home. Thesis number one, Alabama will not win the SEC this year. What's your grade there? F minus. Go to summer school. Go to summer school. I'm really going to go with the D. The F minus is harsh. We'll jump in in a sec. All right, Kev, you gave this thesis, Alabama will not win the SEC this year, an F minus. So you, this kid's got to go to a lot of summer classes. They're no longer eligible to play this season. Like, this, what, <laughs> what do you want to teach this kid with your F minus?
2: I mean, anyone who thinks that Alabama's not going to win the SEC is delusional. They just have Bama fatigue at this point. You have Bryce Young Money at quarterback with his $800,000 in endorsements. Slade Bolden, John Mechie, Javon Baker. The receiving core is still stacked. Not quite so much maybe as the last couple years, but still very good. And the defense is probably going to be Alabama's best defense they've had in years. And who is going to knock them off? Georgia? No. Don't. Sorry. Don't agree. It's a horrible take.
1: (laughs) So, I will say this does feel like it comes down to Alabama versus the field, right? And I don't want to say Alabama fatigue necessarily. I will say that they've sent, in some ways, in the last two years, they've sent three quarterbacks, kind of, if you want to count Hurts, to the NFL. And they've sent four wide receivers. I think it's reasonable to have questions. So, you have no questions. Who are they replacing those guys with? You mentioned the, you know, almost million-dollar man at quarterback. But who's filling those big shoes for Alabama.
2: Uh like Bryce Young, like we've talked about, he's great. Jaleel Billingsley, our tight end slash H bag, will fill some of that receiving role. He did that a bit last year. John Mechie was great last year once Waddle went down. Slade Bolden's a great slot guy. Aggie Hall is a true freshman. Look out for that dude. He balled out during the A-day game. He's gonna be a great receiver for Alabama and Expect him to step in and make some plays early on, even.
1: I think that that's fair, because Alabama seems to just reload. There's never a rebuilding moment under Nick Saban at Alabama. I do think it's interesting. I'm on Covers.com looking at championship odds for each conference, and in their top seven, more than half of those seven are from the SEC West. They seem to think it's a fairly balanced year, but you got A&M is high on their list. LSU is high on their list. Auburn's at six, I, I I just don't guess I realized that after Alabama in their eyes, it goes Alabama-Georgia because Georgia's on the other side, so obviously that would be a theoretical championship game. And then, like, that three through seven spot, they have us really even. Uh, if I were to tell you, crystal ball, Alabama does not win the SEC, do you think it's Georgia, or how do you think that happens?
2: If Alabama does not win the SEC this year, the championship would be Georgia versus A&M. Because that's the only way Alabama doesn't beat Georgia. Georgia can't beat Alabama. Kirby Smart cannot beat Alabama. <laughs> so it would have to be A&M in the title game against Georgia. And then I think Georgia could still win. So that's not a- sure because it's still a big game. Kirby <laughs> Smart is the Harbaugh of the SEC. But I think Georgia would come away with a win.
1: Alright, and so for AM to overtake Alabama, what are you seeing happening there? Is that they ground it out and keep the offense off the field, or how would AM because AM would have to win the West that way. How would they do that?
2: Uh hope that Bryce Bryce Young goes down and Paul Tyson has to start against AM.
1: <laughs> so you you have no confidence in the depth, you're <laughs> that's what I'm hearing.
2: I have confidence in the depth, but I think AM is a good team this year. Uh questions at quarterback, I think. I think oh I had the guy who I thought they were going to start, but I think quarterbacks not as big concern for A and M, but Kellen Mond was there for a while, so and he was so it'll be tough to replace him on the team, but I think A and M around their quarterback will be have a good team, but yeah it's this offense doesn't look good the Alabama offense excuse me does not look good with Paul Tyson on the field, so I think that's a ms best chance to win.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. You seem to not think Georgia and Kirby Smart can beat Nick Saban in Alabama. Is that a coaching matchup? Is that on-the-field matchup? Is that just recent history? What do you think in there?
2: It's a little bit of both. Georgia's a very talented team. I'm not trying to knock them. Uh, once they got JT Daniels in last year, that offense looked much better. He is their day-one starter. So Georgia will be a better team to start the season. But it's recent matchups and Nick Saban just out-coaches Kirby Smart in the second half. That's the biggest thing. It's all these Alabama games, it's pretty much been, oh, Georgia gets up early and then stops scoring and Alabama starts scoring. Happened in the 2018 National Championship, happened in the 2019 SEC Championship. It's, It's just kind of the way things have gone lately, and I haven't seen any change from Kirby Smart. I mean, part of the reason Justin Fields was at Ohio State is because Kirby Smart makes dumb play calls and puts Fields in for a fake punt. <laughs> so I think Kirby tries to outcoach and overthink, and that's his biggest downfall every year.
1: Well, and and to be fair, lots of guys would get outcoached by Nick Saban, right? Like that's not necessarily this like giant character flaw. That's just the hump he has to get over. Whereas if you play in the Big Ten, the Big Twelve, the Pac Twelve, that's not necessarily in your way. Um, is there any Dark Horse SEC team down here at the bottom? If I go back to the odds here, it looks like they've got like Vanderbilt dead last at plus 50K. If you got an inside track there, go put it down. South Carolina is at plus 15,000 and then Tennessee at plus 10. I thought it was interesting. They got Kentucky. For those that are fans of the show, our old buddy Shaka is a big Kentucky guy. They're kind of middle of the pack, and I didn't know that Kentucky was going to be in the middle of the pack.
2: I I said this on the podcast last week look for Kentucky. I'm not saying they're definitely going to win the SEC not even gonna win maybe the sec east look for them to have a very good year kentucky's one of those weird programs where every few years they just kind of pop up with a really good team and i have nothing to back this up but i think they're due for one of those weird pop off good teams
1: they certainly have had more pros in the last five or six years come out of kentucky for football than i think people realize like we look at the numbers they're putting nfl talent on the field I'm a Texas guy, much in the same way Texas is. Like it's not, they just don't have the same lore around them. Uh, and so I was intrigued to see them in the middle of the pack. Obviously, that's not directly in Alabama's way, and frankly, a surprise year for them or like a, a big get over the hump year for them does not mean knocking off Alabama. It means knocking off teams like LSU and Florida, people that are in the way to get to Alabama. Right? They, they don't have. It's not win the SEC or bust for them. Because of your answer to our first question. I think I know at least one answer you're not going to give to our multiple choice question about the NCAA. So our multiple choice question for the day is, who will not make the NCAA playoff? We're looking at the four teams from last year, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Notre Dame. Oh, some people aren't going to like my answer. (laughs) What you got? A lot of people aren't going to like, it's Ohio State. <laughs> okay. I I think myself, I'd probably put Notre Dame. I want to hear why you think Ohio State is not headed there.
2: I think it's both. I do think it's Ohio State and Notre Dame. I don't think either will make it. Uh Ryan Day came into Ohio State day one with Justin Fields on campus. Can he coach up a freshman quarterback to take over that role? And I also love what Indiana's doing. I love their defense. Jamar Johnson was a big loss to the draft, but that defense is still very underrated and very good. If that offense can catch up, Indiana will win the Big Ten.
1: So if Indiana wins the Big Ten, also shout out if you want to interview with that same Indiana coach that we're talking about building up that program, uh, the Sports Stove, part of the Belly Up podcast network, had a great interview with him about 10 days or oh, maybe it was two weeks ago at this point, depending on when you're listening to this, I guess. Go back and check that out in the catalog. But I, I want to ask do you think that that means Indiana makes it in the final four? It sounds like you're pretty set on Clemson and Alabama. How do you see it rounding out? Do you swap my top four? Well, I, I guess my, what I'm asking is if you don't think Ohio State makes it, that leaves three more or three power five winners, assuming Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, three power five winners. You could also have Notre Dame being back on the independent track, right? How do you see that rounding out? Do you see it being Indiana wins the Big Ten, so now they just take Ohio State's place? Does that open up a Big 12 at a Pac-12 spot? Do we get another year with two SEC teams? How does that shake out?
2: It's going to be Iowa State and Indiana are going to be three and four, and then obviously Clemson, Alabama, one, two.
1: Iowa State. All right, so talk me through, because I'm, I'm a, obviously people know the show. I'm a Texas guy. Texas is favored like, in the same odds-makers bracket looking like they're going to finish third. Um, you know, they got a new quarterback coming in, a new coach of Sarkeesian coming in, and, and they're, they're building towards their SEC future, we'll say. Um, but Iowa State's really building something, and you think that they're going to jump Oklahoma because they'd have to win the Big 12 to get in. That's not a big enough conference to get in, coming in second in the Big 12.
2: No, it's they would have to beat Oklahoma, and that was really what kept them out last year. If they beat Oklahoma last year they were probably going to be in. So I, I think they will be in Oklahoma this year. I don't trust Spencer Rattler at quarterback for Oklahoma. He's fine, but I don't think he's that good. And I, I think this is the year. Iowa State's been building slowly. I think they're going to make that final jump into the college football playoffs this year.
1: Are you ready? Amidst all of the chaos we've seen with Texas and Oklahoma in the last week, officially declaring they're going to the SEC, it looks like it could be as early as 23 and it's certainly not going to happen any later than 2025. After all of that hoopla the last week or so about Texas and Oklahoma, you're telling me Iowa State's going to win the whole conference, and it's not. It's not. They're not even the best two teams in the conference.
2: Yes, 100. <laughs> percent They're the two most storied teams in that conference, which is part of the reason why the SEC wants them because they just got money eyes in their signs and like, oh, Oklahoma and Texas, come on over. But yeah, it, I, I think Iowa State this year is the best team in the Big 12. And I think that's good for the Big 12, because if Oklahoma and Texas just ran through that conference the next two, four years, it wouldn't look good on the conference that they then leave.
1: No, I agree. Like, frankly, if you're a Big 12 purist, that might be the best option is to have Texas and Oklahoma both not win the conference in the next couple of years. And that way, uh, other teams get some national shine. I, I, I think that's fair. I wish it would be someone like, you know, one of the old, old Texas Techs or Oklahoma States or people that have been around a while, but I, I get the... Iowa State's been building something, so it'd be them in the near future. I I noticed you mentioned Indiana. You had them win the Big Ten. That would be also in your top four. And that's another year we're going to sit around and have a Pac-12 team, whoever it is that wins that conference, left out. Um, Now, obviously, someone's going to get left out, even if you just pick the four conference champions. There's only four spots, and they are five power conferences is that an indictment on the Pac-12? Is it just a kind of... How does, how does the Pac-12 get over that hump? Because they have Oregon and Washington are both kind of splitting odds as far as favorite to win the conference. USC, when I think of like my middle school, high school days, was the team. And they're kind of down the ladder a little bit. How does, how does the Pac-12 get back into this fight?
2: So, you know, as a Big 12 fan, there's... The joke of the Big 12 is they don't have defense, but they have a lot of offense. The Pac-12 doesn't have defense or offense. (laughs) It's just there on the field. Uh, They need to, when they put a team into the college 12 playoffs in the last five years, they need to have them not lose by 17 in the first round. There's, the Pac-12 is in a really weird place. I think once Texas and Oklahoma leave, the Big 12 will slide behind them in terms of hierarchy, and then we'll see no Big 12 teams for a while. But right now, it's pretty much just, the Pac-12 is the cultural playoffs whipping boy. They don't care about them. They know it's not going to get a bunch of views because those good historic teams aren't doing well right now. USC, Stanford, if they were winning, we would not be seeing a Pac-12 out. But because Washington Oregon that don't carry that kind of national brand outside of Oregon's uniforms, they're not going to bend over backwards to make sure they get in.
1: So it's still, you, you think there's still this perception from the Marcus Mariota days and they showed up and lost big that hurt. Because I think that's interesting to point out when Oklahoma, the last time they were in the college football playoff, they really, people forget how close that game against Georgia was. I mean, there was a weird option called on like fourth down or it might've been third down. I think it was fourth down though. And it was like an option from Kyler Murray to Baker Mayfield. That was weird. <laughs> um, yeah. They- it had, had that gone a different way, I mean, Georgia played Alabama very closely in the college football championship game. Like, that very well could have been a very different outcome.
2: I, I think another part of it also is a Big 12 team, they're going to put up points regardless. And for views, they would rather see a 50 to 30 game than a 20 to nothing.
1: Very fair. Very fair. All right. So it sounds like your hot takes are that Indiana and Iowa State, the lesser known programs, win Power Five conferences and jump in this thing. Do you have any other hot takes heading into the season we need to be aware of?
2: Uh, Oh, I'm glad you asked. I have a lot of hot takes. (laughs) I'll I'll keep them to a few. Uh, Clemson's only going to get in by default because the ACC is garbage. Uh, Miami will play them relatively close, but I do not trust this DJ kid they have at quarterback. He did not even for a true freshman. He didn't look good last year. And my other hot take is everyone's touting about the college football playoff expanding, even though it's a few years away, this is not going to do for college football what people think it will. People are saying this is going to let in the little guys more. No, it's not. It's going to let in a four-loss Alabama team when Nick Saban retires because it's going to help the big schools more than anything when they have a down year, same as the NIL laws, same as the uh, transfer rules.
1: So elaborate on that because I think there is this – as a person that opposes the four team – I, I kind of like an 18 model, and I think I spoke about this back when the 14s for this past season were picked. I like the 18 model because there are more than four power conferences, so you can like put the winner of all five in, and you know at large three, kind of you know whether that's by rule or not by rule. That at least gives you know an Oregon who wins a Pac-12 a chan- or Washington or whoever a chance to get in. You're saying that that fifth conference may get a spot, but the truth is is that those six seven eight or if they go all the way through 12 those aren't going to help your coastal carolinas or your byus that's not where those are going
2: no because that will just change the way they do rankings they'll let's say nick saban retires in 10 years Uh, i'm not sure if he'll last that long or if he'll go 20 years longer i'm not sure because that man is immortal but the year after he retires they're coming off maybe a natty appearance and they lose three games college football play with me go well they just won a natty they have most of their starters still and they only lost three games let's put them in at the nine or ten seat
1: gotcha so it's gonna be you'd rather have a two or three loss sec team over a undefeated byu team i'm just saying byu because that was the team for so much of the year last year yeah. um is that are you basing that off of how many one-loss SEC teams get the fourth spot now? Or is that just where the money is? Or what's your what's causing your prediction there? I don't think you're wrong. I just want you to elaborate a little bit.
2: It's both. Recent history shows that a one-loss SEC team, or even a one-loss Big Ten team if it's close, but it's mostly going to be just the SEC, will get in over a one-loss Pac-12 team, or an undefeated group of five team. So I think we'll see more of those, more group of five teams in the playoffs, but it won't be a lot every year because we haven't seen a group of five team in the playoff anyway, so one is more. But it's also (laughs) where the money comes from. More people nationally care about the SEC runner-up than they do the winner of the American.
1: Well, and so you mentioned a non-Power 5 team and where the money is. Not to come complete full circle, but we both had... You had Ohio State also being out, and that was the more fun hot take. We both had Notre Dame not making the college football playoff this year. You know, they are a big money program, even if they're not a Power 5 conference person. Um, are they are they screwing themselves out of this because they're not going to be viewed as as strong? Are they the team that benefits the most from expansion? Why, why aren't they... I mean, obviously they had a pretty dismal showing in the playoff a year ago, but why aren't they more in the hunt right now?
2: It's partially because they go, oh, we're Notre Dame. We should be treated the same as the Big Ten or the SEC when they haven't won a natty in God knows how long. It's been a while. So it's partially their attitude, I feel, that they think they should be in every year only to get walloped in the first round. But it's... It's also they need to join a conference. The writing's been on the wall since the college football playoffs became a thing. And they're dragging their feet, kicking and screaming. With this, this is the death bowl. They need to join a conference.
1: There certainly is incentive there in the one year they played in a conference with the ACC last year. They made the playoff, right? <laughs> like, it was that simple. Yeah. As weird as that sounds, like, if that's the only year they make the playoffs in a 10-year window, that that certainly is interesting data, right?
2: Yeah, it's... It's ridiculous, though. I don't like that Notre Dame thinks they're better than conferences.
1: So on the conferences note, Notre Dame is independent. And this will be where we wrap up. This is all in the present tense. The 2022, I guess, technically the championship game we played in 2020. or Sorry, the 2021. And I guess technically the championship game we played in 2022 college football season. Uh, there was big news in the last 10 days. You're an SEC guy. I'm a Texas guy. About the... 2023 slash maybe 2025 season i know my take i want to hear your take as an sec guy what are you making of texas and oklahoma joining the conference in a couple years
2: just another win on alabama's schedule
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean alabama's
2: played well against big 12 teams during this run it's they're also texas and i'm sorry to say this, texas is down they're not back they're down bad now sark could fix that He is an offensive genius but it'll take a few years so If it's 2025, it'll be a close game. If it's 2023, Alabama will win by a lot. They will cover against both teams. I'm excited to see Vanderbilt put up 30 on these Big 12 defenses and then still manage to lose by 40.
1: (laughs) Well, it'll be interesting, too, because I don't know how recruiting will shape. First of all, I think they need to make a more definitive answer on whether it's 2023, 2025 pretty soon, right? Because if I'm a current high school senior – and you're saying we'll be playing SEC football in 2023, I might look at you a little bit differently than if you say 2025, right? As far as like considering Texas or Oklahoma. And if they don't make the decision soon, they could lose that on some SEC bound kids. I do think that it's interesting that this comes now versus the last time the Big 12 got realigned. When I would have argued the last time the Big 12 got realigned, Texas was a very good team, and they hadn't been good for the decade since. But back in, like, 10, 11, 12, it's like, oh, they'd just been to a second national championship game in five or six years. You know, they were constantly killing the recruiting battle in the state of Texas, and that's a big power state. Oklahoma, though, are you not at all worried about the same school that gave you Baker Mayfield, the same school that gave you Kyler Murray, that this, this big, you know, not that Spencer Rattler is the guy forever, but this big offensive juggernaut in the Big 12 is coming into the conference?
2: Um, No, because let me just uh, pull something up real quick. This is bad podcasting. All right, so what's uh, what's Oklahoma's record in the College 12 playoffs with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts?
1: It's a bunch of close losses. I don't know the exact— <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's 0-3. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because Baker won
2: the Heisman in 2017. They lost to Georgia in the Rose Bowl. Kyler Murray in 2018 won the Heisman. They lost to Alabama in the Orange Bowl. And then in 2019, when Jalen Hurts was there and was a Heisman finalist, they lost to LSU in the Peach Bowl.
1: Yeah. All
2: (laughs) SEC teams.
1: Somewhat unironically, all SEC teams too. I, I I don't think Texas is a particularly great record against SEC teams. I will say the ultimate irony here is the decade of Texas irrelevance started basically with that Texas Alabama national championship game. Colt McCoy gets hurt, right? Uh, We've talked about that in the past. so I don't mean to dwell on that too much, but there does seem to be some nice bow on this decade of Texas irrelevance that they're now going to be playing against SEC teams like Alabama every year. I have to imagine Texas and Alabama are both in the SEC West whenever this Configuration happens, and that becomes an annual game.
2: There are some rumors they might move Alabama and Auburn to the East. There are some rumors they might look at going into four divisions instead of two.
1: So if you you'd have Probably. to move Alabama and Auburn together wherever you move them, right? Because you can't not have that game on a given year if they're both in the same conference.
2: So they could still do it every year because like Alabama Tennessee play every year, but I think they only have one game like that for each team. Uh, but, no, they would have to because a couple years ago, Auburn tried to move to the SEC East, and the SEC leadership at the time said, you're not running away to Alabama, from Alabama. We're
1: not letting you do this. <laughs> the ultimate little brother move. <laughs> um, all right, Kev, one more time for the folks at home. Will you tell people where they can find you and your college football analysis and your roll tied I don't know, homerism? <laughs>
2: uh, I would not call it analysis on my personal Twitter, but at BellyUpKev is where you can find me and at Quad Tailgate on both Twitter and Instagram. We just got one of those. Uh, Twitter's really hard if you're not attractive, by the way, if anyone's curious. Um, but <laughs> at Quad Tailgate on Twitter and Instagram, you can find us in all of our shenanigans.
1: <laughs> shenanigans is the best I way to describe. It. Yeah, it's the best way to describe college football, I think, too. All right, thanks for coming by again,
0: Kev. No problem, thanks for having me. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is... James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement?
1: Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the
0: thesis? So, I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So, maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But...
1: fn sports 15 and get 15 percent off your oils your balms or shampoos conditioners whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy
0: absolutely check out the beard struggle at thebeardstruggle.com whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already the beard struggle's got all the products that you need the beard struggle feast your face
1: now we are joined by chuck scalise from the all About the Birds Network. Chuck, how are we doing, man?
3: Doing great, Parker. Thanks for having me on. Really uh, appreciate it. Excited. You know, calendar's finally turned to August. Really focus on college football, pro football coming up. I'm so excited for this month and to get into the fall season.
1: For sure, for sure. Now, we were just talking off air. You're from Pennsylvania, and so you're kind of looking south at college football, right? You have like Penn State right next to you and then the rest of it happens like just be- like everywhere below you. before we cast too wide a net there. Are you a f- like diehard of any particular team or just the game in general? So,
3: the game in general, I will root for um, Penn State, my brother currently goes there, and then I do like Notre Dame as well, which I know will fire people up (laughs) when they do hear that, but I do support Notre Dame football as well. I I, I went to uh, St. Joseph's University in PA, which I guess since you're in Texas, you may or may not really recognize that, but Jameer Nelson Delonte West. The basketball school, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yeah, and they, they have no football team. So I kind of sort of had to adopt one, if you will.
1: Oh, as a former Division three athlete myself, I get the idea of adopting a team very much. <laughs> so, all right, let's dive right in. Our first thesis is about the SEC. So we're going to head a little bit further south. Thesis reads, Alabama will not win the SEC. You hear that, and what kind of a grade would you give that?
3: I would give it an A-. This is this is a year where to me everything's lining up for georgia this if it's not this year for kirby smart it obviously wasn't in 2018 that could have been their year too obviously blew the the lead in the second half there but if there's another chance for kirby smart it has to be this year and this is why i do think that they finally have the quarterback jt daniels he came in last year they didn't lose with him they beat a very good cincinnati bearcats team in the sugar bowl and then Part of that, you know, why like Georgia this year also has to do with Alabama, which is their number one um, foe uh, in the SEC. And the past two years in the first round, Alabama has had ten players drafted, nine of them on offense. Even by their standards, that is an insane amount of talent to keep replacing. It right, just seems like it has to. You know, they, they have to take some sort of step back at some point.
1: It's their they had four receivers and if you count Jalen Hurts, they had three quarterbacks drafted. Like that's a lot of talent to <laughs> yeah. lose. It's
3: insane. It's insane. So that it, it they'll have um, a game at Texas A and M, which is like the big you know, that that'll be their biggest test of the season. October night they go to Texas A and M and Jimbo Fish, Jimbo Fisher, what he's done there so far, he's had recruiting classes. In the past four years, so they're talented. They can really take it to Alabama, and if you combine all of the turnover on their roster and having the huge target on your back, you know they could they still go undefeated. Sure, but I you know it's going to be way more difficult than I think we've seen Nick Nick Saban teams in the past um, have to have to deal with.
1: Well, we've also seen that. First of all, I I think it's interesting that you've mentioned Georgia because on all the odds maker type sites. Alabama is the favorites and it's by a considerable margin, but Georgia is in second and on most sites. If it's five to two Alabama, it's usually like, you know, five to one or, or six to one Georgia. And then you jump down, there's a big gap between them and number three, right? Like like those are the two teams, head and shoulders it seems, and odds makers eyes above the rest. And it's I think it's interesting that I can't name a lot of people on Alabama, like a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Because I think of the guys, like you're saying, that are now going to be playing on Sundays. Can you run us through, you mentioned JT Daniels, the quarterback. Who on Georgia is really sparking your interest there?
3: Well, one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the guys I really like, which which is unfortunately he went down, hopefully they can get him back, is George Pickens. He tore his uh, ACL in the spring. But um, another guy, Eric uh, Gilbert. He's a freshman tight end. He just transferred from LSU. I think that he can have a huge impact on this team. They still have Jermaine Burton. Um, he's a freshman coming in, Adoni Mitchell. I, I think for, for Georgia, a lot of playmakers. Um, Zamir White, I think, is going to have a huge impact uh, as a tailback as well. Um, they have, you know, the, in, in terms of, you know, where we've kind of seen college football going, and you can see it, I think this past year was like 10 years since the LSU Alabama There was like the nine six game that they had. The college (laughs) is completely different now. Georgia actually has playmakers, Um, and with JT Daniels, you know they they didn't lose a game when he stepped in. They looked pretty bad, but they finished eight and two. Um, And with JT Daniels, the offense looked way better. And I I think that they will take that next step. You have, you know, they they fell a game short of the SEC championship. There's a little added motivation. Um, from Kirby Smart, and they, they've had four top ten recruiting classes in the past four years. So they have a lot of talent coming in, whereas Alabama being the number one, you know, oh, they'll always be looked at as, you know, on the pedestal as the favorite. The talent that they've lost, this is the year two. If you're going to overtake them, it has to be this year because Alabama will just reload again. Bryce Young.
1: Well, so let's say... Because I agree, I think Georgia is who everyone assumes the biggest, you know, knock on Alabama's schedule could be. That's theoretically an SEC championship game. Let's say I have a magic crystal ball and I can say, Chuck, neither Georgia nor Alabama wins the SEC. Now you're trying to make predictions here. You got money in Vegas. You said, What am I going to do? Who are you going to go find? Who do you think is winning the SEC if it's not Georgia or Alabama?
3: I think it would have to be Texas A&M, and it all kind of lines up with, I don't know if you just saw this before we came on the air, Miles Brennan got injured for LSU, so they have a new quarterback that's starting. Um, His timetable's unclear currently, so that'll be interesting to monitor. Um, But I think it's Texas A&M. They have a lot of talent. Unfortunately, um, I guess unfortunately, Haynes King is going to be their start. He's a freshman, so it's sort of an unknown but if there was a team to do it, like Auburn is another suspect where, you know, they have a new coach now. They're going to have to, you know, kind of build that culture, build that back up again. And, you know, at, Texas A&M has Bama at home. So if they can beat them and go unscathed, then they'll have the tiebreaker and they'll be in the SEC championship. They could beat Georgia. If Georgia doesn't make it, I honestly don't know. I think a very interesting team to look at, too, would be Ole Miss just because of, if you, have, if you can put up points in college football, you always have a chance. And Matt right. uh, Corral will be very interesting to watch as he can really elevate up draft boards for uh, the NFL. And what's a little bit of a, in my opinion, I don't know how, what you think about this, is a little weaker of a quarterback class.
1: No, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, last year was, I think, I think the deal is that's not even necessarily a big knock on this year. Last year was just a special group, right? There was a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. F- five in the first round. That's a lot of guys.
3: If it's not Georgia, uh, Bama, what do you think?
1: I weirdly think the A&M game is going to be tougher for Alabama than they realize. And I think that gives, Al- that gives Texas A&M an inside track to the SEC championship game. You play a one-game sample anything can happen in a single game, right? That's the fun of football is Mm -hmm. they're all one-game samples. Anything can happen. I think what's interesting there is if A&M gets the SEC championship game and Alabama's one loss and and A&M also were to beat Georgia, I weirdly think both teams make the playoffs, right? Like, I weirdly think it would actually be both A&M and Alabama would make the college football playoff in that instance because I don't think that they'd want to take Alabama – like, just the money would speak. I don't think they'd want to take Alabama out quite that early. Um, (laughs) But – but I, I, that's the tough game I see on their schedule because, like you mentioned, LSU got already has one injury as we recorded on August second. And frankly, like for better or for worse, they they weren't as impressive to me a year ago as as A was. And so that's that's my if I were to go to Vegas and put money down on that, I am a little bit of a homer though. If as I'm sitting in the state of Texas, so I'm I'm open to that criticism. We're talking about the SEC in the present tense. This is a little bit off script, so. I just want to get your take on what do you make of the last week or 10 days about the future tense of the SEC and this like super conference thing they've got going on?
3: It's, it's weird because I kind of wear two hats with it because it makes so much sense to do for both Oklahoma and Texas. But as like a traditional college football with the traditional conferences, being a fan of that, I'm really going to miss that. Like that's the, the big 12 of the way it is and the SEC – um, the way it is now. And, you know, I, I like having the different types of, you know, regional rivalries going on. And that is really the first step in a complete overhaul of what we're going to see in conferences. I guess it will kind of be like wherever it ends up. And then I'll evaluate from there because who knows what's going to, what dominoes is going to fall after this. But as a fan of the game, I don't love it.
1: Well, and is that because? what uh,
3: your take is especially as a Texas <laughs> well, fan, I guess I guess you would have a very interesting perspective.
1: Oh, there. I think I think Texas is making the same move they made many years ago, right? It's that if mm-hmm. if you're not going to win the conference, you might as well not win the best conference. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, that that and I think there's money in that. And I think that again, teams have shown if you don't win the SEC, that does not mean you're out of it by any stretch. Do you not think that that means? And, and I'm I'm trying to understand your take here that you don't think the Big 12 football, as far as like. The pass happy, all offense, all the time, 70 to nothing. You think that that's going to, like, Oklahoma and Texas will change how they play, or that they can't do that in the SEC, or that someone's going to kind of beat that out of that? Like, what are you seeing there? Because that's interesting to me. That Big 12 football, in air quotes, will die in a lot of ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's not even, obviously, I'm a huge, I love the the old Big 12 overs, just every week just seeing them at like 70 points, which is just (laughs) awesome. It's awesome to watch. Um, But, it, it's 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 not even like the games
1: itself it's just the
3: and obviously there was a realignment. what 2012
1: around yeah so mm-hmm. for the, the fo- where was, where, folks at home listening that don't recall that what chuck's alluding to is and i believe it was the summer of 2011 12 somewhere in there i was in college but the big 12 completely reshaped Went from 12 teams briefly to eight teams and then added in two more so they lost colorado lost nebraska lost A&M, lost Missouri, and then they added in tc and West Virginia, as non-geographic as West Virginia seems, and and so kind of reconfigured there. So the Big 12 went to 10 teams.
3: From an outside perspective as as a fan, like I like seeing, you know, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and teams like that playing each other and more of the regional, how everything's sort of a regional um, rivalries and affiliations, because who knows then what's going to happen with the Pac-12 and... It, it's kind of, you know, we, we have no idea where we're going. There's a bunch of different dominoes that are going to fall after this. In a long-winded sort of answer,
1: I guess. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Would you... How would you anticipate this shaking out? So if you're Texas Tech, if you're Oklahoma State, if you're that next tier, even TCU, that next tier of Big 12 schools, is, is this going to kill it? Do they have to... Fi- I mean, you're going to see... Are you gonna see Texas Tech in like the Mountain West soon?
3: Start with UCF and Cincinnati. Try to get them in. Some other, I don't even know who else. Like you would, you would have to start there and try to replace with that and just kind of rebrand yourself that way. Because Cincinnati and UCF have kind of changed themselves. Um, I guess their identities ever since the UCF quote unquote national championship year, um, <laughs> and now seeing seeing the way Cincinnati is. Um, you have, You would have to start there. I don't really know who else they could get because you know, I don't think Notre Dame is going to do, you know, they're going to stay independent. I, I always see talk of the ACC wanting them, like Notre Dame's going to stay independent no matter what, I think. Um, so I, I think that's where you start on.
1: And this is kind of going to halfway segue me into our next topic, but what do you think about this is, because there was talk that Texas had the money to go independent, if, if I'm, you know, going behind the curtain on the Texas mm-hmm. thing for a little bit, Um. What Do you do? You think that really is going by the wayside at some point? Is Notre Dame going to, get, have, to have to buck up and join someone else?
3: I don't think so because what the 12-team playoff is going to do is they're basically, the way that they're going now, um, and Brian Kelly, I think, doesn't get enough credit for how consistent he's been. Obviously, they haven't gotten over the hump to win a national championship, but he's been, I think this year he's going to become the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, he's, he's been incredibly consistent and now that with the 12 team playoff, although they won't be a top four seed, they'll have an additional game of gate revenue, um, basically a shoe in for it every single year. So there's right. really no incentive for them to join a conference.
1: Fair. And until we're going to, we're going to jump into our next multiple choice question. And this kind of rides with Notre Dame some because they did have a successful year last year while their last game May not have been their best showing. They had a great year. And so as we look at the four teams in the college football playoff last year, the multiple choice question is, which of these teams will not be in the college football playoff at the end of the 2021-22 season? Will it be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or Notre Dame?
3: So I think it's Notre Dame. I think this one's kind of easy. I know everything we just said about um, (laughs) Alabama, but I still think they have a great... Chance, and I think part of it with what you said, they if they do only have the one loss, like they could definitely get back in with just how big the brand is and and uh and all that. And, um, but no, here's the thing with Notre Dame, and this is going now tying back into the independent thing, they have to go undefeated. There's no losing one game, they the losing one game benefited them last year because they were technically in the ACC and they beat Clemson. So then, then, then them losing to Clemson didn't have as big an effect because A and M lost to Bama by hundred fifty points at uh, Alabama last year.
1: <laughs> so right.
3: and and part of part of with that with Notre Dame they have Wisconsin on the schedule this year, Cincinnati on the schedule this year. It's good. Yeah, you know, I I think Jack Cohn is a good player. We saw him a couple years ago in the Rose Bowl against Oregon for Wisconsin. They replaced him with Graham Mertz. And when you look at Notre Dame's schedule, there's four games to me where they go in with a worse quarterback. Um, So Cincinnati, Desmond Ritter's awesome. Uh, Graham Mertz for Wisconsin, Keaton Slovis, USC, Sam Howell, UNC. I don't think they're going to lose all those games. I think they still have a more talented roster. Um, But you you have that aspect, one. The second aspect, Kane Madden is a transfer from Marshall. He is uh, starting on the offensive line for them. All American player. He has more starts than the rest of the offensive line combined. So they are very young up yeah. front. And when you have those two things working, you know, with each other at you know, sidestep of each other, it's gonna be very difficult to go undefeated with uh, the sort of schedule that they have. So they they're due for one or two losses um this seems like more of a transition year for them and it, it's interesting when you look at their schedule next year they have Ohio State and Clemson so I think even coming into this year the way that the schedule is lined up for this year versus next year they kind of foresaw like hey this is going to be more of a transition year how our classes are lining up next year is the year where we're really going to make a run at this thing
1: well it's interesting to say that too because I also would have picked Notre Dame and that's really I don't mean to take shots at them as much as the brand it's four very large brands And I I weirdly Mm -hmm. think, like you're saying, it's not that Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama are bulletproof, but they are one loss proof in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. We saw last year whether it was changing the rules in a lot of ways for the NCAA to get Ohio State into this thing, or if it was Clemson and their one loss, but was it really a loss because the quarterback wasn't held right? Like, or Alabama uh, a couple years earlier with the Georgia law like, or the when Georgia and Alabama both made it, like, it does not feel like a single loss could throw them off. Whereas a young Notre Dame team taking that single loss, just like you said, is a much different loss on paper. Even if it's one loss Alabama, one loss Notre Dame, both big brands, that, that who that loss is to is going to be pretty heavy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you look at – that. that's actually a great point to bring up too because you look at Ohio State and Clemson schedules. Clemson has probably the easiest schedule I've ever seen in my life for a team of their caliber, but they have Georgia week one. Even if they lose to Georgia, they're going to run through the ACC. They're favored by 20-plus points against everyone. They're going to win the ACC – and that loss will be so long ago in the minds of the committee in late November that they'll be like, oh well, Clemson won every game by thirty plus points. DJ Uyung is lighting the world on fire. Like, yeah, this team's in. They're they're obviously. <laughs> and then yeah. you look at Ohio State, they have they have Oregon, which sure they could lose to Oregon. They're also playing Oregon at noon Eastern time. So at nine AM, the Oregon secondary is gonna have to cover chris olave like good luck that's 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 tough and they they also avoid wisconsin and iowa they just have penn state and all fair we're talking about how penn state like they're always outside of 2016 they've always sort of been good enough to keep it interesting but never just getting over the hump so i don't expect them to go into ohio state and and beat them this year either
1: no and that makes that makes a lot of sense frankly do you have any faith in an Indiana or any faith in an Iowa State or or any other teams to make it in, or do you think it's really, you know, maybe a one-loss SEC team, but the Big Three are the three that are going to run this whole thing?
3: So I guess I'll answer it in in two parts. I like um, if I if I had to say right now who would be in the College Football Playoff, I would pick Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia. I think that Oklahoma they get. I really like Iowa State. They're returning basically everyone from last year's team that was really good. Um, they have to go to Oklahoma, though. Right. And that'll be tough, especially after they beat them last year. It's a revenge game in Oklahoma. They'll probably end up playing each other second time in the Big 12 Championship. Um, so, you know, would a, would a one-loss Oklahoma team get in? Maybe. Um, but I also really like Cincinnati, too, where they could be the first group of five team. They have... Indiana, and Notre Dame back-to-back weeks, if they go undefeated again, it's going to be very hard to keep them out of the playoff. If they go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame, after last year going undefeated and losing to Georgia, but I think three in the Sugar Bowl, like they kind of have some goodwill built up, I think, from last year.
1: So is that is that your hot take bold prediction, is that an undefeated Cincinnati may finally break the Because bear- there does seem like there's a glass ceiling on non-Power 5 teams. And even, frankly, you're a Notre Dame guy. Even as a Notre Dame guy... It took joining the ACC in some ways to break through in the four-team playoff. I think you're right about the 12-team, right? Is Cincinnati about to break that glass ceiling, or is there something, is there a loss their schedule that I'm not seeing?
3: I mean, they, they could certainly, they, they have UCF. They're going to have to beat UCF, and they're going to have to win the AAC. So they'll have, um, I think that would be 12 games, or maybe 13 with the ACC championship, AAC championship. But if, you know, they, they will go, I think they have at Indiana and then at Notre Dame back-to-back, I believe. So winning both of those games and going undefeated, and um, I would imagine that they would, you know, win pretty handily in the rest of their eight AAC games and if they beat UCF. If I'm, the, if I'm the committee and there's probably one other undefeated team, let's call it, whether it's Ohio State, Oklahoma, Bama, or Georgia, like it's gonna be really hard to keep Cincinnati out. Um, it, it would really shake up. It, it's hard to say without seeing the scores in
1: front of me. But I, <laughs> no, yeah, I would yeah. have to.
3: <laughs> I would have to put Cincinnati in. Like at some point, they earned that right to be there. If you go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame, which is a you know they're gonna be a highly ranked team, they're gonna have to have to do something at some point. That that would really that would actually probably be the most interesting debate yet because I, th- I think the last one may have been actually when penn state missed because they beat ohio state won the big 10 but ohio state got in because penn state lost to michigan by right. like 40 and they lost to Pitt, so that was the whole thing too which i think ohio state should have gotten in anyway but i mean what could would you be able to keep cincinnati out if they went undefeated
1: well i i'm high on the group of five so at the at the last when the last playoff teams were being picked it was at january late december uh, we had an episode and and i am firm on i think you need to win your conference right i i think that you ought i understand that sometimes some good conference will have two of the best four teams in the country but that kind of like plays itself out in a weird way right like it's already done <laughs> um and so yeah. to me i would have a hard time picking a second team from a conference over a cincinnati i I would have to, like you're saying, look at like the scores and stuff like that if I were picking them over four conference champions. That that I guess would be a little different. Um, but if Oklahoma has a loss or two and Oregon has a loss or two and it's an undefeated Cincinnati, it's like, well, there is the ACC champ and the SEC champ and the Big Ten champ and this team won their conference. They right. Like, that would be that my take on it. Um, if there were another undefeated conference champion, I think it'd be tough.
3: Yeah, it would yeah if Oklahoma and Cincinnati went undefeated and then you also had Ohio State and then say Georgia had one loss it was two Clemson and then beat Alabama like it's hard to keep all four. you know one of those four teams out at that point.
1: Well and that's where they're talking expansion I guess. <laughs> um, Chuck, you, you do great stuff with all about the birds Tell us where people can find you and the stuff you've been producing lately.
3: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at C. Scalise, that's S-C-A-L-I-E-S underscore I-V. I made it as difficult as possible for people to find me, apparently, when I made Twitter in 2012, um, so you can find me there. Um, that's Yeah, and then I have uh, Chuck's Chat, which is on um, Instagram, if you search that, too, and I, I appreciate you saying that, uh, me, me, and obviously, thank you for having me on, this has been awesome, love talking about college football, so... For sure, like and half hours that
1: we've been. <laughs> <doing>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and we'll be we'll be sure to link that stuff in the notes of the episode. But for, go check out Chuck and the stuff they're doing all about the birds. Good old Philly guys talking a little bit of college football today. Thanks for coming by, Chuck.
3: Yeah, thanks so much,
1: friends. That was another edition of F in Sports. Are you ready for some football? Special thanks to guests Kev and Chuck. As a reminder, you can find Kev on Twitter at BellyUpKev and a show tailgate on the quad at quad tailgate on twitter chuck can be found on twitter at c underscore iv that's at c s c a l i e s underscore iv on twitter and his work with all about the birds is at a a t birds if you're like wait a second mr a is a huge basketball fan and we aren't talking about free agency signings you're in luck Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern, I'll be joined by the Belly Ups basketball writers breaking down all the free agent signings of the week, Olympic basketball, and more. You can catch the show on Twitter and YouTube at 9 o'clock Eastern. We're at Midweek Midrange on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to follow those accounts and subscribe to our YouTube page. Don't be afraid to pull up. As for my personal stuff, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H. 512, all one word on Twitter and Instagram. This show has a Twitter and Instagram as well. You can find us on Twitter at FN Sports 2. That's at F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, the number two, all one word on Twitter. And on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to leave a five-star review, rate, download, do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast. But most of all, remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.